Praise God. So get your Bibles out this morning. And if you would go to the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 36 this morning. Now, I got to tell you, you, you may hear this message this morning and say, well, and say, well, pastor, that sounds just like what you've been preaching for the last couple of weeks. And it is. But about it's been about a month, month and a half ago, I was out filling up deer feeders and and man, just boom, just this message dropped in my heart. And so I stopped right then and I took my cell phone out and I I typed it in so I wouldn't forget, you know, and and I typed in the chat, but I never worked it up. I never did anything with it. <clears throat> and then I started preaching some other stuff. I knew I had it sitting there in my notes, but I just never did anything with it. And then so the other day, the Lord said, OK, I want you to preach that message. And I said, well, Lord, I just was kind of preaching. You know, I get to arguing with him sometimes. I think that I know better than he does about what should be shared. And so he's like, no, I want you to preach that message. And so so here we go. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deliver this to you. I don't know if I'll finish it today. Maybe I have to follow up next week. But it's called Having Dinner with the Devil. I think it'd be a good mini book, you know. Somebody would stop and pick that up. says, you know, Dinner with the Devil. But uh, it's out of Isaiah 36. And again, it's the same thing of trying to show you in life how in, in our daily life, our daily activities, I don't care who you are, you're going to try to be influenced by the devil. He's going to try to influence you. you. You never, until you go to heaven, right? And he's in the pit. You're not going to quit having some sort of influence. It's going to happen. You cannot get yourself into some spiritual position that you're so prayed up that you wouldn't still run across the devil. Can I have an amen? I mean, y'all with me? I mean, if you go back and you study some of the great men of faith in this last hundred years and you start looking at their lives, there's so many of them that were just, I mean, they were, God was using them miraculously. There was miracles taking place. There was unbelievable words of wisdom and knowledge being delivered in the services of preaching was unbelievable. But somewhere along the line, something happened and uh, they got off track and then they went into a, a bad place, you know, demise. And uh, I don't care who you are. I don't care how sharp you are. I don't care how sharp you think you can be. The influence is there. Now, we live in a world today that is so, um, we're bombarded with all kinds of media at all times. It's, it's flying in from every deal. You know, used to, you know, you, you, if you were a young person, well, like me, when I was a young person, how about that? You know, I didn't have a cell phone, didn't even know what a cell phone was. I remember when we first got a cell phone, it was a bag phone, you know, it had a handle and you talked on it. You know, I mean, these babies, yeah, there was no media coming across. Nowadays, the phones are listening to us and then sending up, sending us advertisements on whatever we're, you know, doing. I've just got to where I use it as my search engine. I just say, I'm looking for an ice chest. I don't know which ice chest to buy. What ice chest should I get? And then in a minute, boom, they're going to all pop up. So I don't even have to go type anything on it. And so... So uh, you're just always constantly, constantly, uh, if you, you know, TV commercials, but then it's billboards, but then it's the iPhones and then it's this, it's that, it's the, you know, it's always constantly coming at us, right? I mean, how many times have you been doing anything on your phone and there's some stupid little bleeping, flashing something down at the bottom that you don't want to touch? 
Right. But then eventually your finger will drag over. You'll, you'll touch it by mistake. And then it's in that. Then you got to figure out how to get out of that. It's kind of, you know, okay. Y'all with me? Okay. So the enemy knows what to do and he's trying to influence you at all times. And so he's always coming against you. He's trying to throw fear into you. He's trying to throw whatever into you. And so Isaiah chapter 36, let me just preface it before we get into it. I'm going to read oh, 10 verses here. But let me preface it because this is a period of time where the king of Assyria, which would be Iran today, the king of Assyria comes against Jerusalem to destroy it. Okay, he comes against King Hezekiah. Now, Isaiah was the prophet in those days. And so that's why it's recorded in the book of Isaiah. You also can go over there, the book of Kings, and find this same story. But I'm reading it out of Isaiah 36. So let me read it. Follow along. I'm going to start with verse 2. Then the king of Assyria sent the Rabshake with a great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. And he stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. Now, Elikim, the son of Helkiah, who was over the household, and Shebanab, the scribe, and Jonah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to him. And then the Rabshaki said, Say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in which you trust? I say to you, speak of having plans and power and of war, but they are mere words. Now, in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Look, are you trusting in the staff of the broken reed of Egypt on which a man leans? It, is, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So, so is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altar Hezekiah has taken away? And he said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar. Now, therefore, I urge you to give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses if you are able on your part to put riders on them. How then when you repel one captain of the least of the master's servants and put your trust in Egypt for chariots or horsemen, have I now come up without the Lord against his land to destroy it? And the Lord said to me, go up against the land and destroy it. So here's this dude. This is they call him the Rabshaki, but it's basically he's the commander of the army of Assyria. And he's in there and he's talking to the leaders and he's basically saying, look, come on, man. You see my army. You see what I got. You see what you're up against. There's no way you're going to win. So just give up. That's what he's telling them. You know, it's amazing because Jesus ran into the devil and, and you can find this over in Luke chapter four. And uh, and and almost exactly the same method was tried on Jesus as this commander is trying on Hezekiah. The same tactics. The devil came to Jesus and said, if you're the son of God, command these stones to be bred. Took him up to the pinnacle of the temple and said, I'll give you all of this, you know. And, and every time Jesus defeated him with the word of God. Amen. Amen. Yes. Jesus knew what to do to defeat him. But Hezekiah, he's not as sharp as Jesus. All right. That's the bottom line, you know. And so I want to show you here. I want to break this down 
And I want to show you the tactic that the enemy comes into you to try to get you off. And the reason why I'm doing this is because, folks, this world is trying to influence us. The enemy is trying to influence you in a way. And if you become aware of it and you catch it and you look at it and say, oh, I see what you're doing. Then you'll be sharper and you'll understand his tactics and put them down and save you a lot of time and trouble. Rather than getting caught in his ways, then you find yourself in a bad place and then having to pray your way out of it and dig, your, dig yourself out of the hole. Amen. OK, so the first thing here. OK, the first thing is what he said in verse four. He said in the rapture, he said to them, say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king of, the, of Syria, what confidence is this in which you trust? The enemy, when he comes to your church, he always will come. And the first thing he'll want to do is attack your confidence. Now, how's he going to do that? He's going to attempt to bring out your faults. He's going to say, look at you. You're a sinner. You can't even you got mad and kicked the dog. Hello. Y'all are looking at me like this never happened to you. You're just all standing there. Y'all, yeah, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to put the, on the screens to where they take a picture of y'all and you suit it back. So y'all have to see what I see. So therefore you can understand what I'm going through. I mean, y'all are just looking like, oh, God, don't move. He may look at me. OK, but I'm just saying you get your confidence. And what he wants to do is he wants to come to you and he wants to say to you what your faults are to make you think you're not righteous with Jesus. Or you're not in right sense. You want to come and get your, your confidence that you have in God. Because I don't know if you've noticed this. And, and this doesn't happen to young people. It happens to us older people. The day that you feel pretty good. Right. right? You don't have too many aches and pains and hurts and your joints and your knees don't hurt. You're going to do something stupid that day and fall. You're going to feel a little frisky and you're going to try something that you normally wouldn't do. And you're going to hurt yourself. It'll always happen. It'll always happen. Well, then you don't have any confidence. Y'all with me? Well, the devil wants to do that to you. He wants to come to you and he wants to, he wants to, wants to needle at you. He wants to expose in you something, some thought you had, some uh, action you did, some something to try to get your confidence. Because he knows if he gets your confidence, he'll have you. I, I, I've always, I don't know why I use golf examples. I hate golf. Golf is a game I think should be banned. Okay. And, uh, because it always brings the devil out of me. I can't play, you know? I mean, I, I, I'm just mad all the time, but I'll never forget because the pastor that was previously here, uh, years and years ago, he had made me go golf with him. And so I just learned that all I had to do was get in his head and I stood a chance to win. And so I'd get in his head, you know, and I'd talk trash. And I'll never forget one day we're sitting on a green and he's getting ready to tee. And I look out of the tee box and this this tee box, it went straight and then it had a dog leg to the right. And uh, I looked out there just straight out from the tee box, as straight as it could be. And they had sawed a limb off of a tree and then they painted it. But instead of painting it like black, they had painted it white. And it's out there, you know, 200 yards straight, almost in the op almost in the opposite direction of the hole. And I said, huh, wonder why they painted that tree limb white. That's all I said. So he's going to he's getting ready to swing, getting ready to swing in front of screw. He hits it and just that ball goes as straight as it could be for that tree and hit that white spot. And I said, boy, you hit it. 
And he just looked at me and says, man, I can't believe you is so mad at me. He said, you got to shut up and stay in the car. And I said, no, now I'm going to hit mine. And so I'd been looking at it. So it was in my head, too. So I had turned, you know, I put my back to it and shot the ball the other direction because I didn't even want to come close to it. That's what happens. So the enemy wants to come there and he wants to get you to focus on this one thing. And once you focus on it, you're going to hit it. And so then he's got your confidence. So that's what the king of Syria, I mean, the, the rapture he did when he came to Hezekiah. He said, man, what confidence is in which you trust? He started to attack his confidence. It's the first place the devil's going to try to get you, okay? He's going to go at that. The second one is, verse 5, he says, And I say to you of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. Now, in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? So now he comes and he's saying, look, it doesn't do you any good to speak the word of God. It doesn't get, do you any good to pray. Why are you praying? I mean, you don't have to show me a show of hands here, but I'm asking you this question. Have you ever had the thought it's not going to do any good to pray about that? That came from the pit of hell. That absolutely came from the pit of hell to you to try to get you not to issue words out of your mouth, not to pray, not to say anything. The devil's going to come at you and say, you don't need to say anything. Now, you got to understand something, folks. The way to really, and I'll get this in just a minute, but i got to say it now, is the devil is the father of lies. So anything he does tell you, it's a lie. So then what in the world would be the truth, the opposite of it, right? So if he says, well, it doesn't do any good to pray, then you should say, oh, thank you for reminding me to pray. Right? I mean, we, we get all... We get all bumfuzzled in life and, you know, out of source. But if we would just think, you say, don't pray. Ha! It's time to pray. Call a family prayer meeting. You say, well, we don't know how to pray. Just say something out of your mouth. Good God. God, we love you. We love you. We love you. We love you. You're awesome. You're mighty. You're great. Well, that doesn't sound very good. Better than what would have been coming out of your mouth. Hello? If you would learn, if you would learn every time the devil comes to you and, you, and he's lying to you or he says something to you, you know it's a lie, so just do the opposite. Okay? So then look at the third thing here. Verse 7. He says, but if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, you shall worship before me, before this altar? So now, it, now he's coming and he's, He's getting in there and he's saying, wait a minute, you say you're going to trust in God, but that's the altars y'all tore down and Hezekiah brought another one in here. Now he's trying to get you to doubt that serving God like you have been serving God is the right way. What's going on today, folks? Listen to me. We have major denominations making major changes and swings and say, no, 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 it's okay to do that now. Right? Why? Because the enemy is saying to them, oh, no, those are the altars you tore down. See, you need to get those altars and bring them back because the one he's got right now, it's not really the right one. You need a different one. This is what the devil is doing to people. And people are just saying, OK. Listen to me. There are people today in leadership positions. In major denominations that are so much being the mouthpiece of the devil, it's unbelievable. They don't know it. They're not they're not they're not in there with a big cauldron, black cauldron and cutting up cats and 
you know, the one sacred black cat's over in the corner and they're rubbing it, you know, and got their hat on, their witch's hat and brewing. They're not doing that. They're not they're not conjuring this stuff. They don't have a big goat head in their room. I mean, they might, but I don't believe it. Right. And, and, and have all this, you know, strange. But what they're doing is they're being influenced in a way that's causing them to be the mouthpiece of the devil and they don't even realize it. And there's so many people that are so naive and so they're sheep and sheep are easily led. Right. Sheep are easily led. Just get the bucket of corn and shake it and they'll walk right out of there. Oh, you want me to put my neck in this? OK. But we can't do that. See, we got to know that we're trusting in. The Lord God Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth and all therein, who sent his son, Jesus Christ, on this earth to die and pay for our sins. That we're serving a God who is a living God, who has a living word for us. And if we adhere to the living word and stay on track with the living word, then we're going to be okay. That's where we have to be. And not say anything, oh, those idols that you tore down. No, 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 no. Listen, you're not going to get me confused. You're not going to get me over here. No, I'm just, I'm a Bible-believing Christian. Here we go. I was talking to a man um, here the other day, not from around here or anything. I was off, and, uh, and I was visiting with him. So y'all don't sit around here and try to, like, who's you talking to? Who's you talking to? No, there's nobody around here. Anyway, and so I was visiting this person. He was telling me his experience that, that, that they went to a new church. And he says, yeah. So he found out I was a pastor. And then he's telling me, yeah, we went to a new church. It was a little hard for me to get used to. I was used to just traditional. I was raised in a traditional Baptist church. And this is the way we were. We went to this church. And and he said they were, you know, it was really different. He said they sang for probably 30 minutes and stood up. People lifting their hands. And and so I said, yeah, okay." So then the preacher got up and the pre- preached really good, but, you know, and, and that was the best part of it. But there was people around. They were shouting amen and, and they, were, they, were, they were making me nervous. And uh, he said, I was really uncomfortable. And he said, what kind of church do you got? And I said, one just like that. <laughs> and his so faces, really? I said, yeah, just stay with it. You'll get used to it after a while. I said, it'll be good for you, you know, just keep going. But it was so funny because he was telling me, I don't know what he thought I was. You know, he knew I was a pastor. I don't know what he thought my deal was. He's like, yeah, it really made me uncomfortable. What kind of yours? I said, just, just exactly like you described. I said, come on over. We'll have a good time. But you see, the devil wants to get you to where you're not trusting in, in what you know is God. Amen. Okay, so the next one, the fourth one, comes out of verse 8. He says, now, therefore, I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2000 horses if you're able on your part to put riders on it. He said, look, he said, look, I I, I so believe that I can defeat you. I'll give you the horses you need to to defeat me. And I bet you can't beat me. So what he's wanting to say to him, this is what the the devil is, is this quit. Give up. Don't go forward. Don't move forward. Just stop. You don't want to go there. Well, why is he telling you to stop? Because he knows you're doing something. Why else would he have in his heart to tell you to quit or to stop unless you're causing him some problems? I have to admit, as a pastor, I've quit like 10,000 times in my head. I said, today's the day. I'm going to preach, hold out the mic. Do a mic drop and walk off. You know, 
Because you just you just get sometimes you just get tired, you get discouraged, you just don't want to go on. It happens to all of us. But every time I know that the devil says, why don't you quit? I say, man, I'm going to preach till I'm I'm going to preach. I'm going to make sure that they stuff me and put me in here and let a voice box come out of me or something. You know, replay the old message just because you said that just because you said that. You know, just skin me and put me up there and stuff me in there. Put me in one of them glass deals. Give me a mic in my hand and just let it come out. Have the have the audio coming out. Now, pastor's about to start the second half of the message. Because that's what he wants you to do. He wants you to quit. And church, I'm telling you, Jesus never promised us this walk would be easy. Matter of fact, he said in this world, you're going to have tribulation, right? He never promised us this walk as a Christian would be easy. If it was be easy, then everybody would be a Christian. But I, it's not an easy walk. You got to keep going. You got to go forward. You got to keep pressing on. You got to put. And if you just got to make forward progress and if it's just one little step, you're making forward progress. Keep going. Don't stop. Don't quit. Amen. All right. The fifth one. Verse 10. He says, have I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up and, and against this land and destroy it. OK, now he's taking and he's attempting to twist God's word to mean something else. The devil did it to Jesus. If you go look at it over there in Luke four, he what he said was he said to Jesus, he says, uh, didn't. Let's see, which was just the first one. Then he said, he said, go ahead, throw yourself down from the temple. Did it say that the Lord would send his angels to save you? He quotes Psalms 91, right? The devil quoted scripture. Why would the devil quote scripture? Why, why would he not come up with something else and say, you know, quote it out of the book of the Quran or or Something else or something else or, well, it wasn't there. The Quran wasn't there then, but why didn't he quote the Reader's Digest? <laughs> right? Are you with me? He quoted the word of God. The devil quoted the word of God back to Jesus trying to twist it. Well, this is what this captain's trying to do. He's trying to twist the word into Hezekiah so he's not really believing it. Or if he's going to believe, he's, he's believing it in a skewed version. All right? Watch it. The enemy will do that to you. Okay, here's the sixth one. Uh, verses 14 and 15. It says, thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you, nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given to the hand of the king of Assyria. So he's the sixth thing is he does. He comes there and he says, Man, I don't want you to believe in your leaders. Do you realize today, church? And I have to really watch what I'm saying here. OK. But do you realize that one of the major spirits going across the United States today is that we don't trust any leaders? Sometimes rightfully so. Right. But do you understand what's being torn down in the, the, the view of the American people in our form of government and our elections and our, our laws and our judges and our Everything, everything is being torn down. The Supreme Court makes a decision and then everybody goes into 
it's okay, let's burn buildings down and just, just do crazy things and protest and whatever like this. And, and we've always been a, 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 a believe in peaceful protests in, in, in the United States that everybody gets a voice and everybody gets to say something. But then now it's all turned around and, and, and now it's gone into to our, our law enforcement. Justice Department, the FBI, the whatever, and then it's this and that. Do you, I, I'm just saying to you, sometimes there is legitimate cause. But what I'm saying to you is that the root behind it all is the enemy coming in there and trying to tear down any form of leadership. So that every person makes their own decisions based upon their own thoughts and their own feelings and their own emotions at the moment, and no one listens to any leadership. The church world, same way. It's the same way in the church world. All right. And so this is demonic is what I'm trying to show you. It's demonic to do that. Again, I'm not saying that everybody that has done something wrong didn't need to be taken out or whatever, but I'm just saying the whole spirit behind it all is the enemy's tactic to say, don't trust Hezekiah, don't trust the leadership, don't trust anybody what they're saying. They're all wrong. Everybody's wrong. Nobody's right. Don't do it. And it's a spirit being released into our nation right now and going over. And then, you know, it goes and then it goes into the to systems of the world. I don't know about y'all, but I never paid much attention to the CDC. I had grown up in life. I didn't say, what is the CDC saying today? Right. And then all of a sudden, two years ago, they appear onto the scene. And then I'm like, who are you guys? And y'all don't know what you're talking about. And y'all with me? So I didn't know who they were. But now that I do know who they are, I ain't listening to them. Are you following me? But there was organization after organization after organization. And then, but they've lost trust and faith in all the people. Nobody has. It. It's demonic. I'm just telling you, it's demonic that there's not leadership that people trust in. All right, let me go on. Number seven, number seven, verse 16, verse 16. It says, uh, he said, do not listen to Hezekiah for thus says the king of Assyria. Make peace with me by present and come out to me. And every one of you will eat from his own vine and every one of you will, uh, will, uh, from, will drink from his own vineyard and fig trees and eat from his fig trees. And every one of you will drink the waters of his own cistern. Okay, the seventh one is the devil is tactic of the enemy is said, I'll give you a, I, I, let me give you something to make you feel good. And, and then I'll come, I'll come take your life. This dude actually said, all right, look, I'll tell everybody they can come on out. Come on out. Come on out. And come on in here and go ahead and eat from your own vineyards and drink, drink, do what you want to do, whatever you need to get all your figs. Everybody enjoy themselves. Have a little time. Then I'll come take you, make you a slave. Well, who wants to buy into that? Really? I'd really like to eat me a fig. Are you just going to wander out there knowing that after you get through eating the fig, you're going to be taken as a captive? But we got one more fig. But the world today is going insane in being addicted, listen to me, to things not just drugs, not just drugs, but addicted to things that absolutely are going to steal their lives, but they're willing to give it up for that momentary pleasure 
and then go into bondage. You see, all the time the enemy's working against you, he's working to get you off track. But then once he gets you off track, you know, he, he, you, you, won't, you won't quit believing, you won't quit praying, you won't quit doing these things. If I can just get them to get off a little bit over here, eventually they're going to run into the ditch. So, so it's coming upon us. It's always there. It's always there. It's always there. All right. Number eight. <clears throat> Verse 18. He says, beware, lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying the Lord will deliver us. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Folks, listen to me. Now he's saying it didn't work for them. It's not going to work for you. Again, I don't need a show of hands, but let me just ask you this question. Have you ever had the thought come to you? Well, gosh, oh, so-and-so, they prayed and nothing happened. Still out there? The enemy comes and says, oh, yeah, so-and-so, they were really, they were a godly person. They prayed and I didn't see anything happen in their life. So what, what am I going to do? You're not them. Hear what I'm saying, church. I'm not, I'm not discrediting anybody. I'm just saying you can only pray and believe for you. And you cannot base your prayer and belief off what somebody else did, because if you do, then you're not you're looking to them to see, did it work for them? Well, I'll try that. Not, you know, it works because you've tried that. You can't live off somebody else's faith. All right. And so the devil wants to come in there. The enemy wants to come in there and influence you and say, man, listen, come on. It didn't work for them. It's not going to work for you. There's no sense praying because he's just trying to get you sidetracked. Now, his tactics have not changed, is what I'm trying to tell you. From the days that he did this to Hezekiah to the days that he did it to Jesus, he has not changed. So if you learn these eight principles, you'll be able to catch it quick. What's going on with you and what's trying to influence you. So now let me go over it one more time before I get to the, what you're supposed to do. OK, he's going to try to destroy your confidence. He's going to try to attack the word of God. He said just mere words. He's going to try to uh, attack your trust or your strength. He's going to try to get you to quit, give up. He's going to try to twist God's word. He's going to try to get you to not believe in leadership. He's going to try to get you to, to yield a little bit, but then you'll have to go into bondage later. And then the last one is it you know, didn't work for others. It's not going to work for you. All right. So I'm telling you, those eight principles are the principles. When you have dinner with the devil, you say, why do you keep saying that? Because that's what you do. You sit down at your dinner table and then you start having these thoughts and you start going through all this stuff in your head and you start weighing this out. And what about this? And what if they did this and that? And you're playing this little game in your head going through that. That's, a, that's you're having dinner with the devil. Look at the person beside you and say, I don't know. He must be talking about you. He's not talking about me. I don't know. So how do we combat it? How do we beat it? How do we stop it? Okay, here we go. Chapter 37. Chapter 36 shows you what the Rabshakeh did. Chapter 37 shows you now what Hezekiah does. Here we go. I'm going to read it. Chapter 37. Um, well, I'm not going to read it all. I'm going to break it up and go piece by piece. So chapter 37 says these words are spoken. He said it all. They bring it to Hezekiah. And this is what happens. Verse one. So it was that when the king Hezekiah heard it, that he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth and went into the house of the Lord. OK. 
What happens when this comes upon you? When you recognize it, you see it's the enemy. He's coming against you. So what are you going to do? First thing you're going to do, you're going to take it to the house of the Lord. Now, you got to understand what's the house of the Lord, okay? The house of the Lord is not just this building here. We're all gathering here. It's you. It's where you sit spending time in the presence of the Lord. What are you doing for your daily time? All the things I taught you about hearing the voice of God, and how you hear the voice of God and, and what you're sitting down doing. That's what you do. OK, that's the first place you run to. It's the first place you run to. Because if you don't and you try to mull this over or you yourself try to battle it out with the devil, you will be defeated. Have you ever talked to somebody that, you know, you're trying to get your point across and you just can't do it because, I mean, every time they're just like trying to grab hold of a grease pig. Every time you think you got it, like you're going to prove your point, and then the pig just jumps out and squips out of your hands. and You're like, why did you do that? Most of you say, I've never grabbed a greased pig, Pastor, but <laughs> just use your imagination with me here, okay? Well, that is what it's like arguing with the devil. He's been around forever. He's a master at arguing. And you never win. Some of you say, sounds like me and my wife. Don't go there. The devil will get you hung in that one quick. Now, guys, this is the time to smile and look forward. Because then you'll get home and she said, I saw you looking at me. He said, no, I didn't look at you. And I saw it. Okay, the second thing he does. Look at verse 2. Then he sent... Elikim, who was over the household, Shebna, the scribe, and the elders of the priest, covered with sackcloth, to Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos. Okay? The second thing that he did was he did not take this on alone. He got a multitude of counselors. You notice that? Because, see, he's got... The guy that's over the household, the scribe and all the elders of the priest told him to go to sacrifice and go get Isaiah. All right. All right. Proverbs 15, 22 says without counsel, plans go awry, but in a multitude of counselors, there's safety. OK, so what what has a guy? He, he went to the house of the Lord and he said, go get the leaders. Now, see, isn't that the opposite of what the. The enemy was trying to do to him, he was trying to say, don't believe that. And he went and got him. Smart. He was smart. He went and got some counsel and got some other people around him and said, let's look at this thing. Now look at the third thing he did. Verse 4. He said, it may be that the Lord your God will hear the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach the living God, and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for a remnant that is left. Okay. The fourth thing is, you got to understand something, church. If you are born again, if Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life, okay? If he is the Lord and Savior of your life, you do not belong to you. You belong to him. Amen. So when the enemy is coming against you, he's not coming against you. He's coming against God and who you belong to. He said, well, it's coming to me. It's coming. I feel it. Well, yeah. But you belong to him. And so the enemy is attacking you, but he's really attacking God. And you've got to understand something. God takes care of what's his. God takes care of what's his. 
But if you're not his, you know what? You got a problem. Because now you got nobody to back you up. Folks, listen to me. Every day I thank God. I thank God that I'm saved. I thank God that he came and touched me in life, that he called me and, 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 and saved me. Amen. And I remind him every day and I belong to you. It's not me. It's you. It's not. It's not Robert. It's Jesus and Robert. Okay. And you got to take care of me. Because I belong to you just like I take care of what's mine. And, you know, great pressures is relieved off of me. Right. It's like I, it's like, you know, the old pressure cookers. Those things always made me nervous. But mother used to make those use the pressure cookers. And and speaking of figs, she, she would go out and pick figs. She'd make fig, fig preserves. But she put in that pressure cooker and that thing be I mean, that thing made a rumble when it was on the stove. And I kept thinking the whole time as a kid, I was like, maybe going to blow, you know, and that old temperature gauge going up, you know, going up. And every now and then mother checked the lid. And I was like, why are you checking the lid? I mean, if you have a question that the lid might blow off, let's get another one, you know. And it had that little old relief valve up there. And then in a minute, then they go, right? Y'all know what I'm talking about? And that's sometimes that's like it is with me. I mean, I'm, I'm, I just got some rumblings going on and there's some pressures came out and my little relief valve up here. And the Lord just kind of reaches down and turns it a little bit. So it'll say, so yeah, thank you, Lord. I'm yours. You're taking care of me, Lord. I thank you. You got me covered. You got my family covered. You got the church covered. You got it all covered, Lord. I don't have to worry because I belong to you. I'm your servant. I'm your son. I'm your child. You're taking care of what's yours, Lord. So I praise you for that. I just go around, praise the Lord for that. I just walk around my house, walk around outside. Thank you, Lord. I'm yours. Thank you, Lord. I'm yours. This battle coming against me, it's yours. It's all yours, Lord. It's not mine. It's yours. And what's happening, you know, it's all you, Lord. And so I'm just following along. And it's just like that little old valve just got opened up. <laughs> Pressure's gone. Okay. The fourth thing to do. Fourth thing you can do. Verse 6. And Isaiah said to them, Thus you shall say to your master, Thus says the Lord, Do not be afraid of the words which I have heard, with which the servant of the king of Assyria has blasphemed me. Mm, mm, mm. Remember, remember he was in the first part, those first eight points that he was, he was saying, don't, it's just mere words. But now you got to understand something. Words do have power behind them. You know, that old stupid saying, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words will never hurt you. That's not true. I don't know why we came up with that. It's like you got it like in the nursery or something, you know, like, why do they say that? Yeah, sticks and stones will break your bones, okay, but words will kill you. That's why the Lord says a good word at the right time blesses your socks off. I'm paraphrasing that. Right? He said a good word at the right time. And you can be in the middle of a battle and all of a sudden somebody, somebody gives you a good word and all of a sudden, woo, yeah, you're like, that's right. That's what it's a, yeah, that's what my word says. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You ain't going to beat me. No, no. Are you with me? That's why whenever you have a good word, we have a word that, that, that you think, man, I ought to call so-and-so and just tell them they're doing a good job. You should do it. Because you don't know how your words at that moment, at that second, is, is anointed to break off junk. That's what you're called to do. We're called to give good words in life. Okay, let me go on, because I think I can finish this whole message today. Possibly. 
Verse 5, the fifth one here, the fifth thing you're going to do. Verse 14, he says, And Hezekiah received the letter from the hand of the messengers. He read it, and Hezekiah went up to the house of the Lord, and he spread it out before the Lord. There is nothing wrong. Listen to me. There is nothing wrong with getting in the presence of the Lord, worshiping the Lord, getting in the presence of the Lord, and at that point say, Lord, this is what the enemy is saying. There's nothing wrong with that. There's something wrong with you just walking out of your house, speaking the negative out of your mouth. But there's nothing wrong with sitting down, spreading it out before the Lord and saying, Lord, this is the case the devil has laid before me. You got to do it in the presence of the Lord, because if you do it otherwise, then you're just grabbing, murmuring, complaining and spewing words out of your mouth that are going to get you in trouble. But if you sit down before the Lord and say, Lord, this is what I'm faced with. And this is what's happened. This is what this person said. This is what's happened here. And this is what's happened here. This is what's happened here. And I just need to know what would, how would you like me to handle it? Okay. Just beware that if the Lord then appears, an angel appears before you and speaks to you and says, you're going to, your wife's going to have a child. <clears throat> Don't be like, Zechariah and say, how can that be? It can't happen. And then the next thing you know, your mouth's shut. And you can't talk for. Or if you do come to church and you can't speak anymore, we'll say, oh, OK, brother. Son. God shut your mouth for a period of time. All right. Well, it'll come back open nine, nine months. But there's nothing wrong with spreading it out before the Lord and laying it out and just saying, Lord, this is what the enemy said. This is how it makes me feel. I need to know now what you want me to do because you're going to be, you're, you're going to make this all happen. You're going to bring it all to pass. It's against you. It's just coming at me. And so, Lord, here it is. What do you want me to do? Amen. Amen. There's nothing wrong with that. This, this number six, verse 20. He says, now, therefore, O Lord, God, save us from the hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are the Lord, you alone. Amen. Folks, listen to me. In your life and everything you're doing in your life, just always ask yourself this. Who gets the glory? Are you getting the glory or is God getting the glory? Are you doing it so you will get the glory or are you doing it so God will get the glory? Are you the one that wants to be seen or do you want Jesus to be exalted? Remember what it says in, 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 in Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom, thy power, and thy glory. It's not your kingdom, your power, and your glory. You're doing everything in life for his kingdom, his power, and his glory. So you've got to get your perspective straight. The seventh one, verse 35, he says, for the Lord speaking, he says, for I will defend the city to save it for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. Listen to me. You have got to know that Philippians 1 and 6, that God started a good work in you and he's going to finish that good work in you. And he is going to save you and defend you because you're his. You're his. He started a good work in you. He's going to complete the good work in you. It's all going to work out. He's going to make it work out. He's going to bring it to pass. You may not be able to look at it right now and say, Lord, how is this happening? How is this going on? How is this going to, going, to, going to turn out? But let me tell you what. God knows exactly what he's doing. And you'll get there at the right time, at the right place, and be doing it just like God wants you to do. If you just let him have the work in you. All right? Now, the last one, 
See, I had eight tactics the devil did. Now I got eight things that he can do to, to divert them. Is verse 36. Then the angel of the Lord went out, <clears throat> look at this, and killed the camp of the Assyrians, 185,000. And when the people arose early in the morning, there were corpses all over. And all did. The last thing you have to understand is there comes a time in the middle of the battling with the enemy that you just step back and smile. And you're like, okay, Lord, I'm just waiting to see your deliverance. Fully confident you got it all under control. You just stand back and kind of smile and say, yeah, Lord, you're going to make it happen. And I just wait. I'm just waiting to see your deliverance. And if he had to send the angel of the Lord out there to kill 185,000 of the Syrians, he'll do it. And that's where that confidence comes on the inside of you, that you know that God's going to do what God said he's going to do. And that's a great place to be because it's, it's a restful place because you're just like, oh, God, you're going to do it. You're going to take care of it. You're going to take care of what's going on. So I might as well just rest in you, believe in you, eat another piece of turkey and go on. Hello? Because I had to tie this into my Thanksgiving message, you see. So I wanted to wrap that last piece up as a Thanksgiving message. <laughs> how many of y'all in here, and I want to see a show of hands, how many of y'all in here, you, you like cranberry sauce? Raise your hand. How many of you here do not? I believe the haves, the, the do-likes have it, not the don'ts. I love cranberry sauce. I don't know why. I never eat it, but once a year. And uh, other people don't like it. And you know, that's okay, right? Just leaves more for me to eat if I want to eat it. And uh, okay, I got another one. How many of y'all like black olives? Raise your hand. Oh, we got lots of black olive people. No, no black olives, but who's got, who's a no? No black olives? Man, this is, this is a, that seemed like a pretty emphatic bunch on no black olives there. Huh. It's like, no! <laughs> Wasn't even like a, yeah, I don't know, I can do with them, I can take them or not. No! Wow. Okay. You say, what does that have to do with the message? Absolutely nothing. I'm just curious <laughs> of how we all have different likes and dislikes. Okay. And like I say, I'm still working this into the Thanksgiving message. Okay. So this is what I want you to do. You know, this is this. We've got this thing. The the the, the videos there. You can go back and rewatch the video if you didn't take notes today and get the eight points the enemy is going to use. The eight points you need to use. But I want to tell you something, folks. We've got to become aware. All right. So now this week is Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm sure many of you are going to be with family and and are going and traveling or whatever. You know, watch out. Listen to me. There's no sense getting in a fight over Thanksgiving. All right. If you're feeling like you've just got to, you know, launch off and you just put another piece of turkey in your mouth, be quiet. <laughs> love people. Reach out to people. Love people. It's the greatest thing. Remember, 1 Corinthians 13 says, all this other stuff doesn't make any difference if you just walk in love. And if you look at the definition of love, it's bears all things, believes all things, right? It's that chapter you don't ever like reading because it always gets all of us. But I just want to tell you, be aware of what's going on. Be aware of what's taking place in the world. Be aware of how the devil is trying to influence you. Catch him dead in his tracks. Apply the other eight principles. And don't have dinner with the devil. Amen? Amen. Everybody say with me. Say, I'm not going to have dinner with the devil. Amen. Stand to your feet if you would.
Can I have my prayer team come down? Listen to me, if you're out there, if you're watching this broadcast, maybe it's the first time you've ever tuned in or first time you've ever heard it. Listen, Jesus is what it's all about. Jesus will save you. He will deliver you. He will set you free. He's the greatest thing that ever happened in my life. So many of the people in this building and others that are watching know how great Jesus is. And I just want to encourage you today. The scriptures are simple. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you would be saved. That's what it's all about is coming to know him and have your sins forgiven so you can live eternally with him. Right there in your own home or in your car, wherever you can be, you can just call out upon the name of Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to come into my life. And he will. He'll touch you. If you're in the building today and you, you're not sure that if you died today, you'd go to heaven. You're not sure that you're right with God. Well, we have prayer team people up here that can pray with you. Or if you're here today and you're just troubled or you've been listening to the devil and it got exposed to you and you never want to have dinner again and you just want some prayer confirmation. Come on up here and pray with us. That's why we're here. That's why these lovely people are up front, trained with their skills to, to pray for you and see victory in your life. Amen? Amen. Now, I, 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 however much you overeat, I'll pray for you on Sunday. <laughs> we'll cast the calories out. We'll believe God for the best. Be careful. Love your family. And let me pray for you that you'll carry a special anointing right into the midst of everything going on and bring peace. Amen. Amen. So, Father, I pray over everyone right now. I pray that, Lord, as we go out this week and it's Thanksgiving week and we're with family or friends or, uh, or however, wherever, whoever we're around. Lord, just let that anointing of God come off of us. And where we see people are, are, are not aware of the tactics of the enemy, we will be aware because we've learned today. We've learned the tactics of the enemy. We never want to have dinner with the devil again. And Lord, I just declare that you begin to just set people free and you put that anointing upon us that where we go, we can help people be free. That Lord, we have divine appointments this week, divine intervention in families. People will come to know you, Jesus, from all you're doing through us. And Lord, we give you all the praise for it and all the glory of it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church. Have a great week.